The following is a sermon from Faith Troy, a church located in Troy, Michigan. For more information and more audio and video content, go to www.faithtroy.org. So we get to conclude our sermon series today on uh, four, four a lot of different things we've been talking about. And if you recall, we started around, five, I think, five weeks ago. One, two, three, four, five. You're up. We did. Five weeks. So this is six weeks. And I want you to look on the screen. Do you remember what the Christian church stands for? Say these words with me. We are for giving, serving, loving people and freedom. Do you remember maybe some of those messages and what they were about? We are for these things, but we also said this many times. We also said that sometimes that the Christian church is known more for what it's against than what it's for. And uh, every, every time I'm up to preach, I'm, I'm, I'm always watching the news, headline news, CNN, whatever. I, I don't often do that typically. I just do that on the weekends I'm up just so I don't miss anything, like a, a hurricane, a tornado, devastation, or something we can pray for, you know, something going on. Uh, so I do that. And, and generally when I watch the news, it's like, it's always what? Is it positive or negative? Negative. It's always we're against things and just, you know, animosity and all kinds of stuff. And it's, it's hard for us as in by nature to kind of tell the world what we're for. And so we've been in these series. This is what we're for. But to be clear... Just so we wrap up here, you know, do you know what the church is against? Let's just talk about that for just a minute. What is the church against? It's all kinds of things. We are against lying, cheating, stealing, adultery, abortion, lust, greed, gluttony, pride, homosexuality, swearing, sex before marriage, pornography, drunkenness, murder, disobedience. Any of these making you squirm a little bit or hitting you right in the face? The pride, is there pride up there? Yeah, okay. I mean, you don't have to raise your hand on what hits you the most, but, I mean, taking God's name in vain, idolatry, making God second, not first, witchcraft, envy, dissension, unrighteousness, wickedness, gossip. How easy that last one is, right, with emails and social media and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's what the, the church is against, and there's probably all kinds of others. Why do I put that up there? Why is God against those things? It says clear in his word, right? It's clear in his word that that's what he's against. But here's the thing. God is against sin, but he's for sinners. He's for us. I mean, that's what we, he's for people. I mean, the Bible says it clear in Romans 5, verse 8, that, that God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still what? Sinners, Christ died for us. You see, what he is against is our unrepentance towards the, th- the things and the, th- the sins that we do and, and don't do, the, the things that we should do and that we don't. He's against those things, but he's for us. So that's just a reminder why we say as a church that we're against these things, even though we're guilty of committing them, is because God is. At the same time, why do we say these things that we're for? Well, we are for loving. Why? Because God says in his word that that he loved us first. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and gave his one and only son for us. We are for giving. We're for loving. We're for giving. Because God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. He gave his one and only son. And the Bible says even after that in, in John 3, 17, that he didn't come into the world to condemn the world. But to save the world through us, we are for loving, we are for giving, we are for serving. 
Why? Because the Son of Man says that he didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And I love this one. The Apostle John writes in the book of Revelation, why the Lord is for people. Because at the end of time, when Jesus returns physically, John says, I looked up, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, people, and language. And as I look out to you, you know, our Lutheran church, it's kind of known for being a Germanic-based church, you know. It's kind of funny that a Filipino pastor, you know, one of the only ones, I think, in the United States is standing before you speaking truth like that. But every skin color, every eye color, every shape, every size of people are going to be in heaven. Isn't that great? I love this verse from Revelation 7. That's what we can look forward to because we know God is for people. God is for freedom. You heard Pastor RJ talk about this, and he used this verse, though I'm free and belong to no one, no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. You see why we're for all these things? Because God is for all these things. That's who he is. That's his nature. God for us, not against us. So these last five weeks, really what we've been doing is highlighting these actions of God working through us. We give, we serve, we love We make ourselves available to people. We have freedom to share the gospel, allow the gospel to be shared in the most contextual way in our culture. And the last, during these five weeks in the middle, do you remember going to the gym, having some donuts, and seeing all the ways that we're doing that? Do you remember? I'll show you just some of the ways as a reminder. What is GFAGC? Oh, you guys are so smart. Gifts for all God's children has been around this place for lots and lots of years that they help us to serve in downtown Detroit. They, we, we go to the UP, just started this a couple years ago, the Upper Peninsula, and I can't wait. I get to be the privileged messenger uh, to send the over $25,000 collected by our church to Victory Lutheran Church. And, you know, I've been preparing for it. I've been going to the gym so that I could catch Tammy and Deacon John before they fall on the floor. Um, but, but that's what I anticipate happening when we get to give that. And we don't pat ourselves on the back, right? That's, that's, not, the, that's not the thing. It's God has given to us. He has loved us. He has served us, hasn't he? And we get the privilege to share that. And I'm going to do that at the end of November. We go south to Brazil. We go to Juarez. We go to Haiti. In uh, a couple of weeks, I'm going to take a group of about seven of us meeting with another seven from the United States. We're going to do a dental clinic and a soccer clinic in Jacmel, Haiti, where they had some of that earthquake from uh, Port-au-Prince area still years ago. They're still recovering from that. And our local pastor, Pastor Marky Kessa, has actually been um, the mayor of that is now the mayor of that city, and so he has been able to secure the soccer field, the, the public soccer field for me, with lights. So I think I'm going to have a pretty good time uh, sharing the good news uh, in Haiti there. Our college kids go to the Dominican. Our high school kids go to West Virginia. All these places where we give and we serve and we love and we go. Really, we go. And that's what Faith Lutheran Church has been about from its get-go, that we go. And you remember the, the words from Scripture. As pastors here, when every baptism, we, we kind of quote this from Matthew 28 all the time. The Bible says, therefore what? Go. 
Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Go. You ever heard this, that it's not the great suggestion, but the great commission? It's not the great suggestion. Meaning, it's not if you're going to go. No. God has appointed us. God has commissioned us. God has commanded us and sent us to go. Not if, but go. And so that's what we do, following in the footsteps of Jesus. But here's the thing that I want an aspect to just teach about uh, this morning a little bit. Because many Christians, including me, even as a missionary, sometimes we, our mindset gets confused. Sometimes we put the emphasis so much on the go that we neglect a portion of what that scripture says to us. Sometimes we think, you know, I'm going to go for Jesus. I'm going to go for him, that in my obedience to him as a good Christian shoulder, I'm going to go for him. But if that's what we say, then we're missing the last sentence of verse 20 of Matthew 28. Do you remember the last sentence of that? It says, and surely I am with you. I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so here's the clarifying point today. We don't go for Jesus. We go with Jesus. We don't go for Jesus, we go with Jesus in our serving and our loving and our giving and and, and making ourselves available to people and and to have freedom to share the gospel, we go with him. So that last fill in the blank that you saw, our church is for joining Jesus on his mission. And we go with him because we're not the ones initiating these these actions, right? God is the one who does it. God is the one who first gave. God is the one who first loved. God is the first one who shares uh, his heart with people, his, his people, Adam and Eve. Just think about that. Think about that for a minute. We, we join Jesus in this, but God's action, as he, as he makes this world, as he ma- makes the first people in this place, Adam and Eve, he gives them a choice. He gives them freedom to do anything they want to do, to eat from any tree in the garden except for what? One. And do they obey him or disobey? They disobey. So he makes this plan. You know what? I'm going to love him still. He makes this plan and he makes this promise. I'm going to send a savior to this world. And that savior is going to come thousands of years later. But what's a thousand years to God? Nothing. Right? As he makes this plan. And Jesus does the hard work that we couldn't do. Jesus lives this perfect life in obedience to his father that we can't do. Fully perfect. Then he dies an innocent death on a cross for our, here's a big Christian word, justification. You know what that means? Just as if I've never sinned. I've been justified. Just as if I, that's how way God looks at me. And then he does the harder work of rising from the dead. Only, only he could do that. Rises from the dead so he makes a way of eternal life for each and every one of us. And then... As he ascends into heaven, he promises, I'm still here. You just can't see me now, but I'm still here. Because the promise is when two or more are gathered, he is right here. He's still working. He still has a mission, and he allows us to join him. He says, open up your eyes and see where I'm working and join him in that. So here's the point. Jesus does not give you the great commission to do for him. Jesus is already on the mission seeking after lost people, but he does invite you to go with him. Does that make sense? See, the problem, the problem that we have is this. When I have that mindset as a missionary, I'm going. I'm going to Haiti. I'm going to Brazil. I'm going to the, you know, the, the, the suburbs right around this area. 
If I'm doing that for him, then I want to see the accomplishments that I do, right? And, and the labors and the fruit that, that, that I've done. But if I go with him, it takes the burden off me. You see, one way is hard, the other way is easy. One way is exhausting, the other way is energizing. One way is I have fear and trepidation. You don't know, did I say the right things? Am I going to do it this way or not? The other way, I have peace with God. Then let God do the convicting and the converting and the convincing. God's got it. I get to join him in his mission. So our last four series really is Faith Lutheran Church is for joining Jesus on his mission. And I want you to think about it this way. You remember when Jesus selected his first disciples? I think it was read um, earlier in this message series. When, 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 he, when he selected his disciples to go for him, before they went out and evangelized the world and that village and all the areas around where they were, did he say, you know, you got to take about five seminars before you go uh, to evangelize. you got to recite ten key Bible verses from the Old Testament, right? Have your ten-minute personal testimony down and be able to have all the answers uh, ready. Did he, did he say that to his disciples? No. Did they really know what they were doing when they were going out? Uh, not really. In fact, his instructions were kind of short and simple. From Mark chapter 6, he says this, Take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave. And what they do? They did just that, and they went out and preached that people should repent. You see, what they knew of the gospel, they experienced with Jesus. And then they went out for him, but knowing that he's always there with them. You see, when God uses people, he also promises to be with them and equip them in what they're doing. And that's his promise to you and me as we join Jesus in this mission work. And before we unpack a little bit about what joining Jesus means, I want to share an illustration with you um, that I found in a book called actually Joining Jesus by Greg Finke, and it's a picture of this bridge, the Choluteca Bridge in Honduras. How many of you in 1998 remember this hurricane? It was called Mitch. Probably not. Hurricane Mitch, 1998, kind of like Hurricane Florence did in the Carolinas just recently with us, and Hurricane Michael. I mean, devastating stuff. They wanted, the Honduran people wanted to build a bridge that could withstand a Category 5 hurricane. It's built in the 30s. They re rebuilt it again in 1996, two years before Hurricane Mitch came as a Category 5 hurricane through Central America. And what happened was it stalled right over Honduras. 75 inches of rain dumped on the mountains of Honduras, a mountainous region, coming through the Choloteca Valley right for this bridge. And guess what? No matter how perfectly that bridge was, it was not usable. Why? Well, I want to show you this picture. Not because the bridge was destroyed. Not because of that. But Hurricane Mitch came so much, with so much force, that it changed the course of the river. The bridge became known as the bridge to nowhere. No one expected that to happen. Why do I show you this? Because if you're a person born before the 1970s, then you understand this because you've probably built, been through it. As our nation grew and communities grew, all you had to do was, was put a church 
in any location, right? Open up the doors, put a sign out, and people would come. I mean, they would. That's all it took. I mean, the church, when anybody would move into a community, their first thought was, what's the church? What's the Bible-believing church I can go to in this community? Guess what, folks? Times have changed, haven't they? Churches for years and years, they were kind of like, they set the atmosphere and the tone of that community. But there's been a hurricane brewing for 30 years in our country. And it's brewing and it's bringing all kinds of disaster to our once Christian culture. I mean, that's really the, the news and why I put this bridge analogy up there. Because these days, if you ask somebody to come to church, you might, might get a polite thank you. Or you might get laughed at. Or there might be cynical about, why would I want to go there? I'm going to share some th- statistics with you. Even in church communities, the percentage of churchgoers who actually attend worship on a Sunday, in church communities, 18 to 22% that come. How did this happen? The river of culture moved. That's how it happened. Instead of being like a useless bridge then, God wants us to join him in his mission by working to build new bridges. New bridges that are functioning. The message that's going to go from the one part of the bridge to the other, that's going to stay the same. But God is about us joining him in a mission that's building new bridges to our community. A couple more statistics. Did you know that there were, or there are right now, currently, more Lutherans in the African country of Ethiopia than there are in the whole United States? Did you know this, that more Christians were worshiping in China last Sunday than in all of Europe? Those are more changes that I bet our grandparents didn't expect. Or did we expect that? Those facts might surprise you, but does it surprise God? No. It's not shocking to God at all. He knows, and he's calculating plans how to save souls working with us and through us. Why? Because he is still working today. And we get to join him on his mission of giving, of serving, of loving for people. The freedom to do that in the most contextual way in our culture, in our community. Every weekend we come to church, we we get to, to build up together our faith, receive God's grace and forgiveness at church, and then we get to go. Not for him, but with him in the specific areas he's called you to be, in your schools, in your jobs, in your communities. You know, where he's called me to be is not where he's called you to be, right? And vice versa. I can't be at the the GM building. You probably can't be on the soccer field. But he's called us in different places. We still have the same. Our church is for joining Jesus on his mission. And I think we just come to realize we need to and just speak it from the pulpit here that we are on a, in the dawn of a new culture. And it's a post-Christian culture. That's why your senior leader, Pastor Joe, and the leaders of this church, we have a new strategy. We have a new bridge, if you will. And you've probably seen it in our worship lobby. It's called Belong, Believe, and Become. And I want to unpack that for just a moment. Because why, you know, our mission and our vision of our church, that's always going to stay the same. 
the mission of extending the love and care of the crucified and risen Christ to all people. That's the Great Commission. That's going to stay the same. Our vision of bringing Christ to people, building Christ followers, that's going to stay the same. But this strategy, this bridge, that might change in a few years. But for now, it's kind of an easy way for us to wrap our minds around what, what happened here. You know, back in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s, right, it was, hey, well, you look like us. You believe the same way, right? So, so you can become... Uh, more a part of our congregation. We're going to teach you these things, and then you can belong. Then you become a member and belong. But in today's world, in today's culture, people want to belong before they understand what they believe. They want to be a part of something bigger and greater, and we have that opportunity to say, yeah, you can come here because God wants, he'll take you where you are, but he doesn't want you to stay that way. He wants you to be put alongside Christians and hear his word so that we can grow together in faith. So the people sitting in seats, they might not have all their theology straight. I won't. I don't. God help me that I'm studying, right? We, I mean, who has it perfectly right? Jesus. And so we study his word together and we grow together. And I think that's an amazing thing that we can have a belong, believe, become message as a congregation to understand why we're doing new things, why we're expanding different bridges to the community so that we can share the same message, but just in in, a different context. And I thought, as I was preparing for this message, I thought, you know what? The, The early Christian church is the same way as this 21st Christian church. How is that? The, the, the first Christians in their New Testament churches, the, the government was Roman. They had a multiplicity of gods. Caesar was even considered God, right? And here in our me-centered culture, you hear anything about Oprah, what she says, look within yourself. Look, look within. You're going to find out who God is. And our church is saying, no, you don't look within. You look outside of us to the cross of Jesus because that's historical. That's factual. He rose. He died and rose again for us. And so I want to go back to this first Christian church to kind of look a little bit how the disciples shared their faith. Open up to the the book of Acts, chapter 4. The book of Acts, chapter 4, page 1,696. We're going to see one instance of how Jesus' disciples shared their faith. I'm going to jump around and skip different verses, but just so you're clear and understand um, how it is similar that the the first century and the 21st century are, are, are pretty similar. Beginning in verse 1 of Acts 4, the priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John. Now, Peter and John had healed this crippled man, and so they're there before them. Uh, You have to know that from from Acts chapter 3. The priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. Skip to verse 10, as Peter speaks to the rulers and elders. Verse 10, then know this, they say, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the the capstone or cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Do we say that at this church? Do we say that at this church? 
Yes, yes we do. Did they say that in the first century church? Yes, they did. When they, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were, they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. They took note that these men had been with Jesus. Skip to verse 18. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, judge for yourselves whether it's right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Do you notice in verse 13, look at it, verse 13, the disciples Jesus chose were unschooled, ordinary men. They weren't the Jewish leaders. They weren't the the holding political office. They didn't have all the doctrines of faith established in their head. They couldn't tell you what objective justification meant, right, or or what eschatology means, end times. You know, they didn't have that, but they had a Holy Spirit in them, and the Bible says they had been with Jesus. That was their qualification. Guess who's with us today? Jesus. So we can join him on his mission to bring the good news to wherever we are. And we ask, God, open my eyes to where you're working in my life. And what's the message that we get to proclaim? Go back to Acts chapter 3, verse 19. It's on the screens for you because Peter said it this way. The same thing he did in Mark chapter 6 that we just saw on the screen is the same thing he's saying again. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Christ who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Folks, the message of the church that they needed to hear in the first century is the same message that's needed in the 21st century. It's the prime thing. They need Jesus. I need Jesus today. Amen? Do you need Jesus today? Yeah, and so when people who are the pre-Christians that he has put in our lives, they need to hear that same thing. When their lives are turned upside down because they don't have jobs, when their relationships are broken, when health stares right at the faith, health and death stare at them, when sins of addiction or whatever it is come down on their lives and they struggle, they need to have a Christian friend right next to them. Maybe you're going through that same thing right now. Maybe you know somebody who is. Jesus knows and he cares and he's with us. You see, he didn't send his followers out to be the best apologists, defenders of the faith, or missionaries. No, But they were with him and equipped them to go and put into practice what they learned and what they witnessed so that they could have a deeper understanding of what they believe. I love Philemon, this little verse 6 in the book of Philemon. Be active in sharing your faith. Why? For through it you'll gain a full understanding of every good thing you have in Christ. You see, here's the principle. Doing something accelerates understanding it. I like this quote. I don't know who said it, but it's up on the screen. It's better to do something imperfectly than to do nothing flawlessly. Meaning Jesus isn't counting on you to be 100% the best missionary apologist that he has and do everything correctly, but he is counting on you to be you. And then he will use you. That's his promise. Because why? Jesus is already doing the work of calling people. He's doing the hard work. Calling back to himself. He's, he's the one that's convicting, converting, convincing through the word of God. What do we get to do? We get to join him on that mission to serve people. Because we are a church that is for giving and serving and loving 
people. Freedom to do that in the way we want to do it. And then we don't work for him, but we work what? With him. You got it? Awesome. God bless you. Let's rejoice and celebrate together. And before we do that, we get the privilege of, uh, so when we have communion, it's, it's just God's promise of saying, I am with you. And the amazing mystery of what this meal brings to us is that he is in it. Jesus himself, in, with, and under the bread and the wine for the forgiveness of our sins. Together we celebrate that. And so as we do, would you bow your heads, close your eyes. I'm going to lead you in a time of confessing our sins. Father, as we gather, just like the rest of the world who are in sin, in our own life we have sin. All those sins that we listed about what you are against, they come straight in our face. And all the commandments that you give to love you with our whole heart, mind, and strength, and body, we can't do. But Jesus, thank you for doing it for us. When you say love our, our, your neighbor as yourself, we can't do that either. We have idols that go before you who you are, God. We take your name in vain. We don't honor the Sabbath day like we should. We don't honor our parents or the ones in authority. We murder with our minds and our eyes and with lust in them and greed and coveting. All those things we acknowledge because that's what your word says. At the same time, we acknowledge that you're for us, that when we confess to you our sins, you forgive us. So help us, Lord, understand your grace and mercy for each and every one of us. You've forgiven our sins. In the name of Jesus, all God's people say, amen.